welcome to another episode of The Cultivated Being, where two brothers talk about doctor stuff, sometimes brother stuff, sometimes just life in general. Uh, we usually share things we've learned from the week, things that are on our mind, sometimes very special occasions. Uh, we have guests. So first, I want to introduce my brother, uh, Dr. Nick Hyde. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Jake Hyde, and with us... Our special guest today is our good friend of the podcast now, Sarah Claire Smith. Say hello. Hello. That was Sarah Claire. That was Sarah Claire, not Jake or Nick, <laughs> for the record. Some people confuse our voices, but... All right, so we have her on today because she's got a very great uh, skill or set of skills. I'm getting distracted now because we're in South Florida, and we're getting one of our classic oh, wow. summer storms where... It was perfectly nice out, and now, now the sky's opened up, and it's boring. sheets of rain. My goodness. That's life Florida down here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sarah Claire is here to talk about uh, mental health. One of the main areas I want her to get into is this idea of stigma behind mental health, right? The stats tell me it's incredibly prevalent, yet in normal conversation or with your friends or even family don't necessarily know someone's got something they're dealing with right now. Right. It's not something we talk about to anyone really except maybe our doctors or our counselors or therapists. Does that seem about right? Absolutely. So why do you think it's kept in the dark? Well, last podcast we talked about a little thing called shame, right? So um, I think that there is this stigma around people seeking out and receiving mental health care um, because of shame, because somehow we, um, we don't believe that it's okay to be known in those things, right? So if we're struggling with anxiety, depression, eating disorders, substance abuse or addiction, or um, even just marital issues or um, self-worth issues, you know, these are things that if you're struggling with them, it's better to not talk about. Um, and that keeps us away from the help that we need. Right. So I think that people aren't getting it because there is this, this stigma and part of my passion for, um, for therapy and for soul care and for helping people get free, right. Is, um, advocating for mental health care and talking about it as if it's the same as going to the doctor, right. Or going to the gym or going to yoga or brushing your teeth. Cause we, um, we kind of put mental health care on this back burner. And I do, I am like understanding that people are talking about it more lately, which is really, really beautiful and really exciting to see more people talking about their issues um, or their struggles or their pain or just whatever they're going through. And then taking the next step to be like, I think I'll seek professional help about this. Yeah, probably, uh, probably is becoming a little more mainstream because people are, sharing or perhaps oversharing on social media, mm. things like that. I don't know if still in like your normal dialogue with your coworker you've known for five years or your normal dialogue, you know, with your classmate or buddy, uh, really talking about these things yet. Like you would say, yeah, I went, you know, to the dentist yesterday and got my teeth cleaned. or I, You know, I see a personal trainer or mm-hmm. something like that for yep. your health. I mean, yeah. And people even bring up like when they get a, rectal exam you know <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what i mean yes. like i had to go you know yeah colonoscopy normal yeah 
So seeing a therapist, not shameful. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, we, it's upside down, you know? We got to flip it, flip it right side up. Okay. Okay. So why do you think a lot of people struggle with this innate, like getting mm-hmm. back to shame? Yeah. This dialogue in their head that says, there's something wrong with me. Mm. Well, I think it, it's, it indicates weakness in some way. And in our culture that we are so, um, we're so encouraged to be, you know, perfect and, you know, or sh- uh, present as that we have it all together because that's been praised in a lot of our, maybe our upbringings to struggle or to suffer in some way is, is weak. Um, so then when people need help reaching out for it, they associate with, oh, well, this is weakness or, oh, this is, I can't do it on my own. But yeah, you can't do it on your own. We're not designed to do it on our own. Um, yeah. So I think that that, that keeps, keeps us from it, you know, being perceived in a certain way. And I, I can share when I first sought professional help, when I first went to therapy, that I was, was living, yeah, I was living in New York City. Um, and I was in a like career kind of, um, crisis. I was pursuing musical theater. I was auditioning all the time. I was, um, working in a restaurant. I was in a long distance relationship that was really stressful. There were things going on for me personally, dealing with my identity, dealing with my self-worth, um, that were causing me to like have anxiety. And I didn't even know what it was. I knew I had tightness in my chest. I knew I had tightness in my throat. I knew that I couldn't sleep. I wasn't sleeping well. I knew that I was crying a lot and I'm a, I'm a pretty emotionally available human, but it was to a point where I was like daily, I'm like in tears. And, and so one of my best friends was like, look, there's this church, the church I was actually attending and I had a counseling center and she was like, just call them. And I remember even feeling like bad, like um, there's nothing that wrong with me right now, but I didn't know how to name anxiety. I didn't know how to name that I was going through like a, like a career identity crisis. You know, I didn't know really how to admit that my relationship was really stressful and unhealthy in some ways that I couldn't name. And so as I went to therapy, I learned all those things. I had that space to like cry and to process and to get feedback from a professional and a third party professional, you know? And I remember telling my friends, I'm going to see a therapist. And some of them are like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're fine. You don't need a therapist. And I'm like, oh, but I do, you know? And so that's where I, re- that's where I kind of, cause I, 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 I had a stigma to begin with, you know? And this is before I got excited and lit about therapy and then decided to go pursue to, to become a therapist. Um, but, uh, I had a stigma as well around it. I thought that only people in like full marriage crisis who were going for divorce, those are the people who went to marriage counseling. I thought that only like really, really severely mentally ill people go to a therapist, but that's just not true. Right. So can you can see maybe in the future, maybe it's already happening now. Mm Mm-hmm therapy, like counseling, mm-hmm. yep. being a preventative measure um, versus reactive. Like a lot 100%. of our healthcare right now. Okay. Beautiful. Say so it again. Like, I love that. Counseling okay. and therapy as a preventative measure, not just a not reaction to reactive suffering, pain, right? crisis, trauma. I'm mm-hmm. having panic attacks. I should go to a counselor. Right. Versus uh, I want to really understand myself, life mm-hmm. around me, mm-hmm. how I relate to people. Mm-hmm. I should go someone to help me learn more about that. Right. Hmm. Because therapy really has been a reaction to pain or a reaction to symptoms 
but what if it was the same as um, going to the gym or, uh, you know, caring for your diet in some way? Uh, mm. it's, it's a way that we care for ourselves, that we get to understand and have these awakenings that I believe that as humans, we, we are designed for. We have this capacity to be living in our fullest expression and we're not doing it. And I think one of those, the reasons we're not doing that is because we're not seeking out our spiritual, emotional, and mental health care. So chiropractors have been struggling with this since, I guess, the beginning of preaching preventative health care, right? Mm-hmm. Come and do the chiropractor before you have... Yep spinal fusion or arthritis, yeah. right? Come to the chiropractor before you have disc degeneration. Mm-hmm. Uh, unsuccessfully, because usage rate's still yeah. really low and people still go to chiropractor when there's a problem. Sure. Uh, obviously with exceptions. Um, the one industry that seemed to be able to, to tackle this, as there had been mentioned today, is dentistry. They market yeah. cavities, prevent cavities, get your teeth cleaned, twice a year, once a year. And people kind of have accepted that. Like a good chunk of our society sees a dentist twice a year, right? As accepted. Mm -hmm. You have a father-in-law who's a dentist, Nick. (laughs) I do. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Well, it definitely becomes more intimidating for me to go in and... (laughs) My mouth. That's what I know. Oh my gosh. No, I but uh, vulnerability. Uh-huh. You haven't been flossing. <laughs> yeah. It's so um, much shame every time I go to the dentist. Oh, me too. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I've never had a cavity yet. So much shame. There is. It's, yeah, direct uh, proportion to how much you bleed in the dentist chair. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, oh. But, yeah, so they've done a good job with that. I think that there is a stigma when it comes to like the brain. Um, just as there used to be, a, yeah, personality, like your psyche, really, like in the classical yeah. sense of psyche. I was thinking about, you know, at one point, how the medical industry thought that the heart was just off limits. Like you never operate on the heart. No mm. one could operate on the heart because mm. it was, first of all, too complicated, but, um, also like a sacred thing and, and you just so if someone had a heart problem that was just it it was over for them mm-hmm. i think that we're still evolving out of that when it comes to like mental health brain health where it's like oh this is such a big important piece of the puzzle like i mean because i say i i do brain rehabilitation in my office and anytime <laughs> i get a call from somebody and they're like i see that you have brain rehabilitation in your office like what do you like what do you do in there and i'm I can only imagine what they're thinking about, but I know, <laughs> I know that they think that you only need to get your brain worked on if you have like a tumor and mm. someone cut you open and work on it. That's mm. obviously not true. Just as we're talking about all these, you know, preventative things and like going to the gym and eating right. Like that's something you do every week and every day. Um, so I feel like it's the same thing with mental health, but, um, how would you, I mean, how would you market that? Like, how would you say, this isn't a business seminar. This is just like, if someone's out there listening right now, how do they know when's a good time for them to try out what you're doing and not in a serious way, right? I mean, hopefully if someone has some serious issues, they're getting some clinical help for it, but. Mm-hmm. I would like that. to add a part two. So okay. what's the answer to that? And then what's the mental health cavity? Mm. What's the thing, like the, the thing 
the word that mm. d- would drive people into counseling. It doesn't have to be a word. It could be a phrase. Mm-hmm. But for dentists, like prevent cavities and mental health, it would be, you mm. know, come in before this happens. Right. Ooh, I just pulled the earphone out of Jake's ear. Hold on. <laughs> Pause. Okay. Um, excellent questions. And we're going to figure out how to put these, put the there, answer. Into there might not be, there might not be yeah. a clear answer here. But I think that this is a really important conversation. So, um, you know, I was thinking, so if we think in, so there's two types of therapy. Well, there's many types of therapy, but there's individual therapy where you go in and you sit one-on-one with a therapist. There's couples therapy that can be premarital, that can be just dating couples, that can be married couples, right? Um, and then there's like group therapy, which would be like sitting in a room of people supporting each other through a certain, uh, whatever the challenge is that they're facing. So when we were talking, I was thinking, okay, that how do you know when it's time to go, right? You, yes, typically it's when there's like symptoms. So if I'm like, I was having, like I said earlier, I was having anxiety symptoms, um, tightness of chest, shortness of breath lack trouble sleeping, uh, tearful, like overly tearful, just like lost a little bit. Um, but there's so many different symptoms that usually send people into therapy. But I think, and that's maybe the, that's the, the past is what I hope that it's only symptoms that lead you in. But what if instead of couples, let's look at couples for a second, instead of just going to therapy, when you feel like your marriage is falling apart, going to therapy premarital, going to therapy when things are maybe fine, right? Because even in my own journey, put like when I moved to Florida and I was seeing a therapist, it was usually out of a crisis moment. You know, you just call when you're, you know, just like I called Jake when my back goes out instead of coming in weekly, you know? Um, But what if we were, it was maintenance, you know? Or what if we were seeking a spiritual awakening and deeper understanding of ourselves and that was a motivation to go to therapy, who knows? But the other, you know, let's do a little, a little uh, scenario, right? So you have a child, let's imagine a kid who has some sort of traumatic event, right? And it goes unaddressed. So child traumatic event unaddressed therapeutically or just through community or through their parents or whatever. Um, that leads to addiction, to uh, disruption in relationships later, um, lack of understanding of self, shame, silence, you know, and then the the spiral just continues. But if you take it back and the story is the kid, there's some sort of trauma, woundedness, whatever, um, and then it's addressed in a therapeutic situation, um, then this kid now has understanding, has some healing, has some skills on how to move through his life, um, you know, understanding what happened to him and then being able to deal with life a little bit better without addiction, without chaos, without breakdowns in relationships. So catching, catching people, whether it be an adult or a child in a moment where there is some sort of crisis and then saying, Hey, it's okay to want to go talk to somebody about this. Right. So that's maybe when you know, and I think, you know, in your gut, anybody can maybe know, okay, it's probably time for me. You know, I have a friend who just, uh, her parents are separating right? She's looking at, she's getting married soon, right? So she's like, I think it's time for me to go talk to somebody, right? And that's, I love that she felt bold enough to, to admit that, that she felt brave enough to seek out, how do I do that, you know? Um, so that maybe is the an- uh, answer to the first question. Do you guys have ideas? 
<laughs> well, I, you know, one analogy I, I do use a lot in the office is uh, the difference between hardware and software. It's like everyone has yeah, a yeah, smart yeah. device with them and everything like that. And after a couple of years, you have the best state of the art smart device. But um, even after just a little bit of time, it needs a software update because things aren't mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like nothing's working. Your phone is just obsolete. Mm-hmm. And you have to get a new one, right? Yeah. And yet no one really gets an update for their software. Like, Interesting. I like that. No one goes, it's crazy. It's like, well, of course you have at one point or another, you've gotten like a mental mm-hmm. virus. <laughs> yes. You know, something is just inception of them when you, early on in life and you just keep it with you. Mm-hmm. You ignore it. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Imagining like there's like you have the iPhone 10 or whatever. I don't know. What are we up to right now? There, there are there 10 of them? Yeah, okay. I think there's that. 10. Let's <laughs> say there's iPhone 10, but you're operating on, you know, the iOS 4. Yeah. It wouldn't, but when, and this is the kicker, when the iOS, I don't know, I'm not a technical person, but when like the, the most, the most recent iOS update is available to you and you're still functioning on the four, right? So Mm. if you could be on the 10, but you're, you're not saying upload or download or, you know, turning off your phone and then it does a little Apple thing and uploads overnight or whatever. And we're just like not doing that when we have, that's the thing about our day and age. And, and let's be honest, like uh, therapy can be a, it's a luxury, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, we're talking to like a uh, mm-hmm. demographic that this is um, it's a luxury and a gift that I get to like do that, you know, mm-hmm. cause a lot of people don't have that luxury. Um, but if we do, it's, a, if it's available to us, if we're listening to this podcast, probably like you might be able to have that luxury in some way, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that we like take that, that we run with it and we say like, I don't have to be functioning on this lower, lower, lower level. Like that's in, that my pain and my defense mechanisms and my story, unprocessed story are keeping me from my fullest expression. Mm. I would say to those listening to this, If you're wondering if you need counseling or not, the answer is you do. (laughs) Now, do you have to go to a counselor right away? No. Go to your priest or rabbi or pastor or go to your wisest friend or uh, grandma and grandpa, just someone Mm -hmm. (laughs) who has a different point of view and a little bit more wisdom than you may be in an area. And the ability and, to listen. And someone who's a good listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start the counseling mm-hmm. with them. You don't have to formally do it. Just start with a person mm-hmm. you can be yourself with. You can be vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Like show someone who you are and your struggles and your concerns and see how that feels. Mm-hmm. You're going to like it. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it. She'd see someone else probably. Yeah. <laughs> and it can be hard. You know, a lot of people say it gets yeah. worse before it gets better because you start yeah. to, if you're, if you're bold enough in, in this scenario to uncover why the symptoms are there, you're going to have to go backwards. You know, you're going to have to go into the story and, and start to uncover why I behave this way, why I react this way, what's driving this, you know, and then, but as we do that, then we allow space for healing and then we allow space for connection. And I think the cavity Oh, wait, no, no. What was the question? What's the, what are we trying to avoid? Yeah. Well, what's like the Mm -hmm. applicable uh, 
analogy for the dentist's cavity, right? Mm -hmm. That's their like call to action. Yeah. Don't get cavities, come mm-hmm. get your teeth cleaned, right? The preventative measure. Mm-hmm. Is there like a mental health cavity? Mm-hmm. It's too complicated. Many. <laughs> I mean, one of the answers that's coming into my brain is like disconnection. So when you are like, which I'm, I, I'll make it about me. <laughs> in, in group therapy, we always say like, keep it in the eye, meaning like, keep mm-hmm. it about you. So I'm so, okay. So okay. me, I am trying to avoid being a disconnected human which means being on autopilot, which means continuing in unhealthy patterns, which means not living into the fullest flourishing that is offered to me. So if I'm trying to avoid that space, which then would cause like chaos, physical breakdown, mental breakdown, relational breakdown, um, stress, you know, all of these things that I'm trying to not live into. um, That's so maybe we call that disconnectedness. I'm not sure what else we can call that, but that's what I, that's my cavity. I don't want to be on autopilot and disconnected throughout my life. Okay. Yeah. You just described me like 10 different times of my life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So I relate with that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Um, so cavity, you can get fixed fairly easily, mm-hmm. but being disconnected can ruin relationships, careers, mm-hmm. uh, can zap your motivation. Yeah. It can, miss out on opportunities mm-hmm. um, and can cause physical harm as yes. we know, mm-hmm. because these things do take a toll on your body as well. Mm-hmm. So no disrespect to dentists and cavities. I'm mm-hmm. a little bit more concerned about being disconnected, Yes, which I've already been for a while because that was my path. That's what mm-hmm. I've lived through at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even I mean, even as we speak about these things, some of the serious aspects of mental health, depression, anxiety have crazy, unbelievable stats. You know, there's so many people suffering from those. Yep. And um, they're still, seems as though they're not doing enough for them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're just kind of focused on the symptoms, but not really working with the underlying issue. So. Absolutely. So you, yeah. Okay. So you seem like, to relate with that. So like, what would you say about well, so that's even kind of like the medication model, right? So you go to a psychiatrist and they're like, okay, you have attention issues. Here's some Adderall. Okay. You have depression. Here's some Prozac. Right. So instead of, and that's important, like I'm not bashing medication at all. It saves lives. Um, but there is this we're missing the underlying conversations, right? And so if someone is depressed, yes, there's a chemical, uh, there's a chemical problem going on in the brain, clearly. Mm, But why is that there, right? There's a a precursor to that that was probably woundedness, trauma, um, stress, relational, uh, you know, whatever it may be. There's something that happened. And that's the most powerful thing that I have heard lately. Um, it was a TED talk by this beautiful black woman. I don't know her name right now, but she's a doctor of some sort and she's brilliant and I'll figure it out and we'll put it in the notes or something. But, um, she's, she's saying we have, she's talking about, uh, being trauma informed community or being Mm. a trauma informed culture. Um, and she's saying we have to stop asking people what's wrong with you and ask them what happened to you. Because that, what's wrong with you is shaming, you know? So the little kid running around like an insane person when he's seven years old, he can't focus. Instead of saying like, kid, what's wrong with you? You know, like stop, 
here's some Adderall. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, kid, what happened to you? Like, what's going on? You know, and that opens up a whole new story. And I think that's what a good therapist will lead you into. Where is this coming from? What's underneath that? I say that all the time and my groups and with my clients, it's always like, so where's that behavior come from? You know, what's that linked to? And when you can find that, you know, power. Yes. That's interesting. I mean, just bringing up that whole, the shame thing, like what's wrong with you? I, isn't it? I think it's interesting that step one of the mental health, um, world, I should say at this point is the diagnosis, right? Right. The diagnosis itself kind of shaming. It can be for sure. You need a code for someone else to pay for treatment. Mm -hmm. So if you don't code it, you don't get paid. That's like the basis of Western healthcare Mm -hmm. is a code. So it's a label essentially. Mm -hmm. Because I I mean, I do see that I encounter that a a lot in years down the line, right? They may have had this really acute episode of their mental health and years down the line, they're saying, but I am a blank, right? Mm -hmm. They say their diagnosis as part of their identity. Yes. And it's like, well, how are you supposed to heal if this is who you are? Mm -hmm. Mm. Totally. Yep. And I think it should, we need to um, shift that from like a a label and an identity to an explanation or a name. Because when when I was like, here are all my symptoms, this is what's going on in me. And someone was like, oh, that's anxiety. I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. Instead of being like, now I am an anxious person or I have an anxiety disorder. And some people need that for a second. Like I'm like for alcoholics, I'm an addict. They need to be they need to be able to admit like, this is what's happening. Say it out loud. But then if it does become this identity, it can be very shaming and very like, um, like keep you, uh, hold, hold, hold it, holding you back. Right. But what I think is powerful about diagnosis is diagnosis, diagnosis, <laughs> um, is that it gives you a name for something. Right. And then you're like, Oh, cool. So I'm not the only one who this has happened to. This is kind of maybe normal for my set of experiences, right? And and there's a way out. So like for depression, let's say if you get now you're diagnosed with depression, instead of I am depressed, I'm struggling with depression. And there's a way out. Cognitive behavioral therapy has been like the most empirically researched um, evidence-based therapeutic model for depression. Mm. Um, so now it, the, not only do you have a name for something, but now you have hope. Mm. And if you're bold enough to, to go into it, you know, then there's freedom on the other side. <clears throat> I, I encourage people to change the dialogue to uh, I'm experiencing. It's mm, good. So I'm experiencing anxiety yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Meaning like we're experiencing a pretty good thunderstorm right now. <laughs> yeah. But just with yeah. that dialogue by itself, it's like it assumes it's going to leave. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. happening right now and it's probably going to stop happening at mm, some point. It's good. And so I'm experiencing back pain right now. I'm experiencing anxiety. I'm experiencing insomnia. Uh, and that's fine. And there's no judgment there. So mm-hmm. uh, this is not an original idea. This is like an ancient kind of practice of mindfulness of viewing uh, or an adaptation of something ancient, but it's viewing yourself. Okay, so it's the idea of a fishbowl, fish in a fishbowl. It's the idea of viewing yourself as not the fish in the fishbowl, but the water and the fish are experiences or thoughts and they can come and go. 
and you can observe them and say, there's this fish. And if that fish gets taken out of the bowl, you're still the same person. And if a new fish comes in, you're still the same person. You can experience and see these things. And if they come and go, you're still the same. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change your identity. So you can view a thing and say, wow, I'm experiencing severe pain right now, but it's not who you are. Mm. And so you, the goal in this practice is to become an observer of experience, um, just to see it. And again, disassociate in a way of saying, it's not me. It's what mm-hmm. I'm experiencing. It's going to be okay. And I know people who take it further and talk to their symptoms as if it's a friend in the room. Mm-hmm. Okay, back. Mm-hmm. I see you're hurting right I now. I see you. Uh-huh. And it's going to be okay. <clears throat> yep. We're going we're gonna to be okay. Mm. Please, please do that, Jake, and get a recording of it. I want to see you just going through your whole day like that. I up, do that. Upload, <laughs> upload it to Instagram. I want to see it. Yeah. Oh, that is good. Okay, and shoulder. Even, yeah. You're not working today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at like split or, you know, turning the prism another way on that idea for our emotional state. Okay, part of my heart that is broken and mm. devastated. I hear you. I see you. I see the like ways that you're responding and the ways that you're hurting and like we're going to be okay. And mm. there's this there's this therapeutic model called internal family systems that I'm reading a little bit about recently. And um, it's basically saying like within you, there are a lot of different parts, right? There's the part of you that's really hopeful. There's a part of you that's devastated and wounded. There's a part of you that's motivated. There's a part of you that just really wants to lay on the couch all day. There's Mm -hmm. part of you that like resents your parents and there's a part of you that really loves them, right? So that we would embrace all parts of ourselves. But if we need to talk to the, the part of ourselves that just wants to lay on the couch all day, that we can say like, hey, I hear you. Like what's what's going on with you? And instead of shaming that part of yourself, because so often when we feel unmotivated or when I feel unmotivated, I'm like, oh, you're the worst. Like what's wrong with you? Like just get up and do it. But instead of being like, okay, what what's going on here? You know, or the part just so, um, yeah. So that's the idea of like speaking to it and giving compassion and, and focus um, to that part instead uh, of shame and disconnection from that part. I definitely relate with that. Mm. My, some of the parts of me, if we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it, are really yeah. dramatic. Great. <laughs> and so Absolutely. I know on, on, on the days where there's low motivation, it's not just like, <laughs> I just want to stay on the couch. It's more of like, I, I am never going to make it in life. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, totally. Everyone else is better at this than you, Nick. Yes. You know, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Let's continue oh. this therapy session, Nick. This I is know. Great. This is this has become group therapy. Uh-huh. Thanks. For, thanks. <laughs> no, this is about but you actually. now. It's not group therapy. <laughs> oh, it's just about me. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does that part of you need? <laughs> oh, that's the worst question. <laughs> wow. What is that? I mean, you don't have to answer, but you should uh, I don't I don't think I have the tool set to answer that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one of my first therapy sessions that I 100% vividly remember is me talking about my life and my problems just watching someone lovingly observe this crazy person talk <laughs> and then say so what do you need mm-hmm. and me saying I don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I need. It's a wild. No question. one's even asked me that. Yeah, including myself, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. And for also for like caretakers, as we all are in some way, in the helping professions, you know, 
it's always about like, what does the other person need? So it is, it's very, it's very startling and confronting when like, then it, you are asked and you're like, wait, um, huh? Mm. But, but I'd hear you. I'm dramatic too. I literally the other day I was like, I'm going to move to a desert Island, a deserted <laughs> Island. Like you know, and my whole life is about people. I'm like, mm. I'm like, wake up every day. Like how can I connect with humans in a way that's restorative and healing and inspiring, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> but then on those days where part of me is just like, nope. Deserted mm. Island, Need me, a pina colada, yeah. that's it, you know? Yep. So I, I hear you and I totally, me too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us ask each other how, you know, how are you doing? How's it going? And it's always like, if I'm being honest, kind of the same as always. So it's fine, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Or we just don't even acknowledge the question. Great. You know? Mm-hmm. And no one ever says, "Hey Nick, what do you need?" Mm-hmm. That was like such a curveball for me. Mm-hmm. What do I need? Hmm. How am I supposed to know that? Yeah, I'm gonna think about that for like probably the rest of my life, but <laughs> certainly the next 24 hours. Yeah, absolutely. What do I need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, that was a year ago for me. I still think about it, mm-hmm. hmm. and I don't have concrete answers closer sometimes some of the like just for like listeners or for us like some of the possible answers are like i need to feel validated you know i need like someone to just be like yep mm -hmm, i get that or i need some space to just be alone or i need um i need a friend right now i need somebody to listen or i need to give myself some compassion or i need you to maybe give me some compassion you know i need a day off Mm. That's yeah. often one of my answers. Yeah. You know? No, that's that's real. Stay tuned for part two.